0: Welcome to Life on I'm your host, John Aiberly. Ah, most of us work in an office building. I do. Well, I kind of do five days a week. I also work out of my home probably most of the time. But I have to experience the office setting. Some people are locked in there eight, nine, ten hours a day. Ask yourself this question. Is your office environment like the movie or the TV show, The Office? you look around and you see the power struggles and... The power plays. Do you have a good boss or a bad boss? What defines that? Is it a toxic environment? Are you working in a place if you step back from it, went to an attorney, you might have a lawsuit because it's a toxic environment? Should you get out? It's all up to how you look at it. You might be unhappy. The guy or woman next to you might be ecstatic to work in that place. Who knows? But my guest today, Brandy Baldwin Rana, is a PhD. She deals in this kind of behavior, these kinds of settings, large companies, small companies. She's an entrepreneur on her own. We're going to learn a lot about the business world and who works inside of it and how to survive and thrive in it. Brandy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. No
0: problem. That was a song I picked for you. That is "Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions, by the way. That's also my normal theme song that I'll go back to. But see, I thought about you a lot. And this seemed to be the best song for you, just the way your personality comes across to me.
1: I love it. I love it. Perfect choice.
0: There you go. Brandy, give us a little bit of your background before we start getting into the meat of the issues here.
1: Yes, well, you know, educationally, I have a background in psychology, Mm -hmm. um, and then I continued at Temple University with an organizational development degree, a master's degree. Um, So at that time, I was really excited about learning, you know, what's going on inside of organizations and with people. Um, And then finally, I did a doctorate in educational leadership. So, uh, you know, my interest. Um, and my education are right in alignment. I love psychology and why people do the things that they do. And then I love sort of bridging that with organizations, the people inside of organizations and making them thrive. And other than that, I'm just a helper. I mean, I'm a helper, I'm a servant leader, and um, I love listening to people's issues and problems and trying to help them create a strategy for success.
0: Well, like you just said, I mean, you know, you have your, pers- you have your different interests, and I'll, I'm a lot like you. I'm very much into psychology. I love business things. I like to people watch. Yes. And I like to see what who, who's who, why are certain people in certain positions. I'll tell you what I have learned, and maybe you've seen it. I assume you have seen this. There are a lot of people that are miscast. They're in positions in companies where they really shouldn't be. It's not their strong suit. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I tell people all the time is just because you have a title of a leader doesn't mean that you're a leader. And quite frankly, when organizations hire people with credentials and degrees, that also doesn't mean that they'll be a good leader on the job in the trenches working with people. So I, I totally agree with you. Titles have nothing to do with it, and a lot of organizations mismatch the people Um in those roles, and that's why they have some of that toxicity that you were talking about.
0: Oh, I've seen it. I've been working in sales and marketing uh, business development for over 20 years. Yeah. I've been more or less the hired gun uh, during that time period, going into small businesses in particular, trying to get them jump-started, trying to take them in new directions. And tell, I'll tell you what I've noticed, and, and, and I'm hoping you've seen the same thing. Yeah. When I go to a company, there seems to be the same kind of people At every company. The gatekeeper, the office manager, usually a woman, usually a little older than everyone else in the office. You have the youngest child, usually a woman, a girl, you know, kind of doing her thing. It's kind of like the Brady Bunch episode. You have the sales and marketing guys. They're tough guys. They're running around. They might be making some inappropriate comments here or there. You got the father figure who might be the boss or even a woman now might be running the whole show. There seems to be the same personalities in just about every office. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. The thing about it is, and you, and you probably haven't seen this too, you work, where you work it's kind of like a family, mm-hmm. so those dysfunctions yes. just like you have mom dad, the, the rivalries between the brothers and the sisters, you have auntie coming by, it's the same thing in organizations, you're always going to find those different roles and I think the most successful organizations really have, they may have the different you know personalities, but everyone is on a mission um, they're sharing the vision and they have the same values and that's what helps to keep the organization afloat and thriving and not just you know surviving from day to day um, so I think organizations can have those different roles but everyone needs to be on purpose um, and following the same goals and mission in order for the dysfunction not to get out of control
0: agree a hundred percent you have yeah. to you have to truly live the yeah. open door policy that you are promoting
1: absolutely you, and, and you know what nine times out of ten. The mission on these companies' websites is not at all how things are run, um, you know. No, it's true. Day in and day out. Yeah.
0: Because, you know, the real world is what the real world is. People have problems. People have personalities, different personalities. A lot of dynamics are going on, probably more so in an office setting than in even a family setting. Yes. Because you're spending so much time with these people um and i mean it's it's a, it's a day in and day out struggle sometimes to to merge all those personalities to be cohesive enough to go after work and make it purposeable.
1: yes um and a lot of times most of us we work in office settings where we're there with our, that's what they call it, work wife, work husband. Yes, 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 yes. Longer than we're with our own families. So you're absolutely right. And a lot of those differences that people encounter in the office space and and offices can get really political. It really gets under my skin. It does. The power plays and the dynamics and how managers and leaders deal with the differences. because differences are going to be there, but they set the tone for how everyone else should sort of handle and and deal with them differences but um yeah we spend a lot of time at work and things can get a little sticky if the organization is just not on point and not together in those
0: ways well i'll tell you something else i've seen and i've learned over the years you can try to stay out of it try to rise above that and you can or will be considered aloof distant not interested in being a team player uh you know uh, it, my philosophy has always been: Look, I got to go in there. I got a job to do. Uh, if I'm only in there a couple days a week, when I get in, I, I am hunkered down. Let's get it going. I, I, I friendly to people, like people a lot. My job itself, though, requires me to be tap dancing for people anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's what I do, and yeah. that's enough of a struggle. But but I kind of want to jump into this part now. Now, people who are entrepreneurs. You're an entrepreneur. Um, I'm actually involved in a couple things and have been in and out for years, so I would consider myself in that category as well. What are some of the personality traits of a true entrepreneur?
1: I think the number one thing is going to be risk. Someone that's able to take risks, they can be calculated, but they're not concerned with the status quo or doing things how they've always been done. And I think that a lot of times, even if you're not an entrepreneur, some organizations have people who have entrepreneurial um, personalities, and a lot of times they're the outliers and they're the people that people kind of look at like, oh, gosh, you're you're giving us more work because you're trying to take a risk and think outside of the box. But that's the number one characteristic of an entrepreneur. They're trying to look for a way to do the same thing differently. Um, make it better, make it innovative. Um, So they're not concerned with tradition. Um, Another thing that I would think um, in terms of entrepreneurs is they're always trying to think outside of the box, and and unfortunately the majority of people in the world are so comfortable with um, knowing what's going to happen next, with having a plan all the time in tradition. So that goes hand in hand with risk. You know, they're thinking outside of the box, and that's what gets them to those big returns on their investment. They're going to fail a lot, yes. and they accept failure, um, and they welcome failure, but they, they know that their mission is to keep pushing the
0: envelope. And one of the things I'm involved with right now, it's a tightrope. Um, I've gone totally opposite of how things would normally be done. Yeah. Uh, it's a struggle. The question I keep asking myself is, what's going to happen first? What I've put in motion, is it going to hit first, or are they going to get frustrated enough, and uh, you say, hey, yeah. we've had enough of you, there's the door. Yeah. And it's, but you're right, though, there, there's a risk to it. There's also kind of a high to it. Yes. You know, you kind of get, because you know, you're kind of backed up against the wall, you know, 90% of the people in the office don't believe in a damn thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. Probably most want you to fail. Mm-hmm. because they don't want any change to happen at all and you represent a big exclamation point of change. Yes. At that and point.
1: I think change is 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 major and some folks like you said they don't embrace change at all because they think it's going to be more work for them, or it sort of rubs them the long way. You know, we like routine. And, you know, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I take risks, but even then, I'm still sort of type A, and I have like a twinge of OCD too, so <laughs> I like to know sort of how my day is going to go, and but I keep the structure so that I can be adaptable, and people don't want to adapt and just do things differently, and in a position like you're in, you know, they're always going to, um, you're going to have to sort of drag them kicking and screaming to do something different. It can be, you know, something minor. And well, you're
0: like me in the sense, yes. you like an unstructured structure. Yes, yes. Yes. I need a very, I need very broad boundaries. Yes. And I still yes. need a little bit of, uh, you know, lead way where I can color outside of the lines. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: You know, I mean, it, it, people might look in the business setting, and go, well, you know, it's not really a creative type of, You know, occupation. But believe me, and I know you understand this, especially in sales and marketing and how you approach things to make money for a company, there is a creative side to that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think entrepreneurs um, and business people are some of the most creative people. I mean, in order to to keep your business around and stay competitive, you always have to be rebranding, recreating, repositioning yourself, you know, in the marketplace or even as a leader within your organization, come up with a a new angle, a new way to get folks motivated. So creativity um, is one of the other sort of essential characteristics of uh, entrepreneurs and just business people and leaders. They're always looking for a way to get it done. There are 101 ways to going a cat. They're going to go through every single way until they figure out, you know, how to get it done the best way for their organization or for their company.
0: Entrepreneurs, do they make the best leaders in the office? Uh, sometimes I don't think they do. I don't no. think that I, I think sometimes you need someone a little bit more grounded and yes. you need to allow that person with the personality and the drive to go out and do his or her own thing.
1: I think entrepreneurs, you know, after a while in terms of leading an organization, they can really mess things up because they're always looking forward, forward, forward. And then they, they may not see things that are going on right now or be in the present. So I think that leaders are great, you know, and other sort of managers and directors to say, look, today, this week, this month, this quarter, we gotta make sure that we're doing this and staying focused. And that frees up the entrepreneur or the person who may be founder of the company to, you know, focus on longer um, you know, goals. And the thing with the entrepreneur is they're always striving long term. That's their motivation. But a lot of people if they don't see any results you know, every week or every month, they're going to lose motivation altogether. So I agree with you that, you know, they're not as grounded as they need to be to really run an organization. After a while, you got to set the infrastructure up and um, and step back and, and let someone else really manage.
0: Agree. We're going to run into a break, Brandy. You're listening to Life on Ed. I'm your host, John Avery. Today, my guest is Brandy Baldwin-Rana. We are talking about the dynamics of the workplace. Be back in a few moments.
2: travel from Westchester University to the University of Colorado all the way to Switzerland Swiss Education Group in a few short steps completing your cross-country higher education tour in a matter of hours at the Chester County College fair. The fair will be held on October 27th from 5:30 to 7:30 p.m. at the Exton Square Mall in Exton, Pennsylvania coordinated by the Chester County Intermediate Unit. The fair is open to the general public and admission is free. More than 5,000 students from 45 area high schools are expected to visit the fair and explore their post-graduation options. Save your family valuable time and travel costs by meeting with one of the over 200 colleges, universities, career, and nursing schools, as well as military academies and members of the Armed Forces. They are all here to help you narrow down your continuing education choices. Ready to discuss entrance requirements, financial aid, campus life, and academic programs, and to provide informational brochures and catalogs. More information regarding the college fair, including an up-to-date list of the participating schools can be found at cciu.org slash college fair. There is something for everyone at the Chester County College Fair Monday, October 27th between 5.30 and 7.30 p.m. at the Exton Square Mall. Chick-fil-A at the Exxon Square Mall has something for everyone, including the new grilled chicken sandwich. How about your choice of Asian or Cobb salad or a grilled chicken cool wrap? Side items include coleslaw, fruit cup, chicken soup, and hot waffle fries. Kids like the chicken strips or grilled nuggets kids' meal. And don't forget their fresh squeezed lemonade or dessert. Planning a party or celebration? Chick-fil-A will cater your next social event or office lunch. So give them a call at 610-363-6345. Or visit them online at Chick-fil-A.com forward slash Exton Square. Chick-fil-A at the Exton Square Mall is open Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Hello,
1: I am Jillian Harris from Extreme Makeover Home Edition, and you are listening to WCHE 1520 a.m. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Abrely. Today we are talking office dynamics with my guest, Brandy Baldwin-Renna. We have been touching on uh, entrepreneurs. We're going to kind of follow up with that for a brief moment, and uh, there's a couple of things I want to get to. Uh, Brandy, with entrepreneurs, they they really do need. Uh, you know we did kind of touch on it a tad. They really do need to be surrounded by specific types of personalities for specific types of jobs would you agree there
1: absolutely i think that the the number one you know asset to an entrepreneur, is a manager, a low-level person that can really execute the details um, and help also to keep them accountable and keep them on track. And if you you know you can't find a manager to do that, you can also find um, what I have, which is an accountability partner, um, which is a you know a colleague or someone else, a fellow entrepreneur from maybe a different industry or a mentor. Um, you, you have to make sure as an entrepreneur, in, in order to grow your business, take it to scale and. and really stay one step ahead of your competition, that you have people, you know, someone below you to help implement and then someone on your level or above you to help you stay on track and what I like to call check you if you need to be checked, um, say the hard things to you um, during your growth.
0: And that's okay. If you've got someone that can come in and you trust that person to, to yeah. sit you down and tell you straight up what's going on, yeah. that's not a bad thing. Not at all. You just going to make sure you find the right person that way and they speak to you in a certain way too. You don't yeah. want to be insulted and put on the defensive. Now, Randy, what kind of companies bring you in? And and, and I have this at what point do they bring you in? Is it like the last step before they blow the whole thing up?
1: <laughs> no, thank goodness. Thank goodness for me it's not. It's usually somewhere <laughs> right in the middle when things are starting to, like, brew and they realize, oh, my gosh, we're, we're in trouble here. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be a service-based organization, an organization where they're serving people, individuals, or some, you know, not, not computers. They're not working with computers all day, but something where they're interacting or their managers, their directors, or their frontline staff are interacting with maybe children um, or some other individual. Um, And and the number one reason why those organizations reach out to me is because People have a hard time interacting interpersonally with others. They don't know what to say, just like you said. They don't know how to speak um, to people or maybe interact deal with conflict, and those are all of the things that bring organizations down. You know, very rarely am I brought in for business strategy Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, strategic development of programming. Usually someone's pissing somebody off, someone (laughs) steps on somebody's toes, and they're like, we need to teach them some emotional competence. Um, and I love that's what I love to do. It's a great area. There's mm-hmm. no real right or wrong, but there are some sort of universal principles that people have to know in dealing, in dealing with others. So um,
0: and I, I love it. Though you come across the person or persons who uh, you you've outlined it for them, they actually know what they might be doing wrong, what needs to be fixed, but they just refuse to do it. Yep. Yeah. That drives they, me crazy.
1: Yeah. Yep. And the thing is, it's like a bad marriage. You know, why are you still together. Why aren't you making a move? And everyone has excuses. Well, it's for the kids. Oh, well, you know, financially. So some people, they're really willing to be unhappy in a bad relationship. It's the same thing with organizations. They know that there are people that need to be fired, but, oh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. You know, they know they need to maybe um, demote some folks or promote some people, but, oh, the person that they're looking to promote has only been there for six months, and the other person has seniority. So, you know, it's all these interpersonal things, and, and why organizations don't really change and they don't do the simple stuff. I mean, they could save a lot of money if they just do what they know they need to do instead of bringing me in, you know, but I won't complain, you know?
0: <laughs> well, you know, it, it's like, it, it's, it, it's almost like a marriage counseling. Yes. I mean, you're, you're trying to merge, again, all these personalities, which leads me to what I think is an interesting question. And mm-hmm. uh, you've got a psychology degree, so I assume you're familiar with how this would go down. Do you see the birth order inside of an organ inside a, a, a organization's dynamics? Do you see that birth order popping up?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I mean, most definitely. You got the, the the firstborn or the older ones that that have all of the responsibility. They've maybe been there for a while. They have tenure um, there, but. What happens with the firstborn, or the people who have been in the organization you know, for, you know, our our um, analogy that we're using, but the people that have been there for a long time is they get burnt out. They get tired of being the responsible ones, tired of being the ones that everyone looks to for advice or guidance. Or so then that dynamic sort of plays out. Then you have sort of everyone in the middle who, you know, have sort of an identity crisis. <laughs> they're not really needed that much. You know, they're called on here or there, but maybe they're glossed over. And then a lot of times you'll have, you know, the, the youngest, In my perception, and maybe you're thinking about this in a different way, but they may come in like gangbusters. They're ready to change. They're ready to maybe do new things. And then everyone who's been there is like, what are you doing? You're stepping on toes a little bit. That's a way that I sort of see that. It has nothing to do with age, but sometimes how long folks have been in an organization or, you know, at what point they came to that company or organization. Um, and some of those dynamics definitely play out uh, at companies. Well,
0: we can also talk generational. I mean, we still have yeah. some of the baby boomers left. Uh, my generation, Generation X. I'm not for sure where you fall into this, but then you have Gen Y. Yeah. And they see things dramatically different. Yeah. I mean, uh, you ask for something, it's got a deadline. Eh, I might get it by the deadline. Yeah. You know, you have to... I mean, I actually read a whole book on this last year just so I could understand better, you know, with whom I'm working with. Wow. Because, you know, even though uh, I come from the Gen X, I'm right there with the baby boomers. That's who yes. mentored me, who, who you know, I came into, into the business world with. So I have a lot of those traits. When I ask for it, I want it done. If there's a problem, come to me. But yep. it's it's... Seems to be different with generation Y. They kind of they want everything now, but they'll do it at their own pace.
1: Absolutely, it's that instant gratification. You know, if it's something good, they're motivated to do it right away. If it's, you know, there's a little bit of work involved, um, and maybe for the long haul, they, they're not, they don't have that same work ethic. And I'm on the low end of the Generation Xers. That's my generation. Okay. It's a certain work ethic that we had just growing up. Our parents instilled in us, you know, and with technology being different, you know. I barely even could use a calculator growing up. You know, you have to do stuff longhand, you know, even in schools. I think with this newer generation, their their timing is off. And if you can't sort of Google it or Wikipedia it or do it quickly and easier, um, they don't really understand the time that it takes to do stuff. And they're not really as proactive at times. You know, I don't want to generalize. No, 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 we can't generalize. Yeah. yeah.
0: but you see that. Yeah, but, but you know, it's it, it's interesting. Uh, my brother and I were talking about this. My brother works for a large oil company out in Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. My father's only 17, 18 years older than myself and yeah. a little bit older than my brother in that regards. He's a baby boomer and yeah. just retired. And I remember we were sitting around one night having a few beers, and he makes this comment about the younger generation being clock watchers. Mm-hmm. You know, 5 o'clock comes, it's time to go. I, and, my, and my brother jumped right at him, and I have to agree with him, and this is where I'll give the gen wires uh Credit. some kudos here. Yeah. They seem to realize working seventy hours, yeah is not going to do any good. It's going to yeah. produce probably, if not burnout, uh yeah. problems within a marriage. There's a whole host right. of things. The baby sometimes I wonder what the baby boomers though, did they make it look like? They were working those extra hours. Yeah. Because, you know, with today's technology, things should flow more smoothly than they did thirty years ago, Absolutely. forty years ago. But I, I I'm hoping that the that the Gen Ys find that balance and they seem to be going in that direction because I have to agree with their generation. I, I, I mean I like work. Yeah. I enjoy working.
1: Me too. Me too. But yeah, at the same time,
0: you have to, and you ha- you know you got other. I got hobbies. I got my family. That's very important. But it seemed like the baby boom work ethic uh, was a little over the top. Would you, what, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that some of the Gen Yers they're they're a little bit late bloomers. So the stuff that maybe we were doing at uh, six, fifteen, sixteen, mm. seventeen, eighteen, they're not even starting that until twenty one, twenty two. Um, in terms of work and getting in it they don't really have to sometimes and I think that you know that balance is essential you know I, I love where where I am on the spectrum because I have sort of that work ethic but then you can use the technology to streamline things and turn off a little bit but I think that the gen wires have a little bit more um, time to go in terms of coming back onto like manual you know come down to doing it the old, doing things the old school way um, rather than you know technology sometimes they don't even know and I say this because I teach I'm taught at Temple, I teach college students and sometimes they just don't understand the concept of doing something that's not sort of microwave style you know instant gratification right away. I mean, I think that that balance, they need to do that. But, you know, I'm a little jealous because they are able to turn off and go and do other things, and sometimes I have to sort of break away, and I find myself working 13-, 14-hour days as well. So um, I think your, your brother is spot on. <laughs> it, you know, he, he, he's there.
0: But we looked but, at my father. Yeah. We are like, you know, we said, you know, I call the baby boom generation the locust generation. They have <laughs> consumed everything since the day they came <laughs> in. They will consume the last thing when the last one checks out. Yes. They have, yeah. It has been all about them. As a generation, and almost, I mean, again, you don't want to generalize, but the the numbers don't lie. Absolutely. And that this is, without a doubt, the most selfish generation ever created. (laughs) I mean, without a doubt, the numbers do not lie there, and I'll debate anyone on that. Anyone out there who wants to call me, email me, or come on this show, we can go toe-to-toe on it. Yes. But, you know, getting back to the office dynamics themselves, good boss, bad boss... You know, boss doesn't equal leadership. Yes. What is a good boss?
1: I think a good boss, you know, as we call it, is someone who knows their job inside and out and is willing to stay in their lane. that That's the number one thing I cannot stand. Uh, when I see leaders and bosses or managers that micromanage, do what you do well, which is manage Projects on a larger scale, but don't step on other people's toes. You know, good organizations should hire folks that are good at doing their job. So managers don't need to sort of have their hands in all of the pots, and that's a number one red flag for me when I'm talking to directors or managers or managers or leaders. And and I realize that hmm, you know you're so busy worried about what everybody else is doing that your job and what you're supposed to do is is lacking. So they don't micromanage. They know how to communicate with, with um, others. They know how to make critical decisions. Um, I, I hate analysis paralysis. That's what I call it. <laughs> make a decision already. Do something, even if it's bad. That's, you know, going back to what we were talking about with entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, they fail fast because as soon as they fail, they figure out what they did wrong and they fix it. But some managers, you know, they're there and people look up to them. But they don't make any decision either way, or they let people below them sort of um, make decisions, you know, um, and do things. So I think, you know, good bosses know how. Don't micromanage. Stay in your lane. Interact with people in a positive way and, and make the decisions, tough or otherwise. Just
0: do it, you know. I agree with that. And, and, and what I've learned over the course of my career, in particular working with small businesses uh, in the sales and marketing process, the owner, the entrepreneur, they they hang on tight for a reason, and you can't blame them once you get past your own thoughts on it. They're the one that's made the investment. Yep. They're the one that, you know, if something happens, they could lose everything. The rest of the staff can, you know, probably go out and find another job. Yep. I've come to understand their stresses, um, what they need in return from the employees, how they need to see things ran. I understand that. A good entrepreneur, a good business person, I believe, grows over time and learns how to slowly give that power away. But we're going to take a break real second here, Brandy, and we're going to come back and kind of, you know, again, finish up on that point. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Brandy Baldwin. We are talking about the dynamics of the office setting.
1: What do I want? I want to be seen faster.
2: I want to spend as little time in the waiting room as possible.
1: Less waiting,
2: more taking care of me.
1: At Brandywine Hospital, you'll find the 30 minutes or less ER service pledge. 30 minutes or less? You can even find our average ER wait time online or with your mobile device. Don't wait when you need care fast. Turn to Brandywine Hospital. Learn more at brandywinehospital.com.
0: Hey, Chester County, have you heard? There's about to be an incredible addition to our area. The Uptown Entertainment Alliance is on their way to bringing a professional theater and cultural arts center to the heart of Westchester. The group has purchased the armory at the corner of High and Washington, and with your help, we could all be experiencing live theater, music, dance, film, and many exciting events right in our own backyard. To begin, enjoy the Vintage Hollywood Red Carpet Gala on Saturday, October 11th. The event will be held at Winterthur Museum and Garden from 7 to 11 p.m. and feature live music, dancing, prizes, silent auction, plenty to eat and drink, and much more. Come dressed in cocktail or black tie attire or as your favorite vintage Hollywood movie star. For tickets, visit UptownWestchester.org.
2: Join the Uptown Entertainment Alliance for their Vintage Hollywood Red Carpet Gala on Saturday, October 11th and help renovate the old armory and bring a theater to Westchester. Tune in for The Britain Project every Wednesday at 12.15 and Saturday at 12. She has the latest in fashion, beauty, fitness, entertainment, and lifestyle. Plus, you never know what celebrity will call in to join the conversation. Like country music star Darius Rucker talking about the cast of Duck Dynasty in his Wagon Wheel music video. It
0: was my wife's idea. She knew I was, I love the show. And he, actually, when she said to me, I was like, they're never going to do that. Two days of shooting and it was the most fun I've ever had making a video.
2: Or actress Hayden Panettiere, the star of Nashville, talking about how she wants to separate her love of music from the character she plays. Country music's a passion of mine and it's a road that I would like to explore. Right now I'm concentrating on the show and who knows, maybe down the road I will venture down that road as Hayden. Or some of the cast of CMT's Party Down South talking about all of the hot new details from their latest season. Athens, Georgia was
1: close to home for a lot of it. You know where like we had dirt and mud and there was country, a lot of country stuff for us to do. So there was it's easy for us to just kind of fall into
2: play. You don't want to miss The Brin Project every Wednesday at 12.15 and Saturday at 12 right here on WCHE 1520.
0: Hello, I'm Edward Herman. This is WCHE AM 1520 on your dial. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Brandy Baldwin-Renna. We are talking about office dynamics what brandy does is she'll come into your group she will assess what is going on and there is a lot going on i guarantee it in every office there is the bully there is the whiner there is the go-getter there are the people that are just kind of hiding within the woodwork trying to get through it all but you know that's fine that's the personalities that we encounter brandy i want you to give us please uh the uh, different websites that you have and how we can you know maybe someone in the audience can contact you in order to bring you into their organization
2: Oh,
1: absolutely. So for organizations, you can go to phdtrainers.com. That stands for Psychology and Human Development Trainers, Um, and that's where we help organizations come in, just like you said, do an assessment, see what's going on, find their weak points, and then give them a plan to strengthen strengthen them. And um, I actually will help them along the way in the implementation as well. Um, And another thing for leaders, people within organizations, um, and maybe larger organizations where, hey, they may not be able to bring me in to do something for the whole team or department, but they're looking to upgrade their skills and up-level their leadership skills. They can go to TakeItOrLeadIt.com.
0: Well, tell me about the Leaders Night Out. I saw that on your website. What is that about?
1: Yes, so in Philadelphia, um, I have an event coming up called Leaders Night Out. It's exciting, and it's really for leaders who want to increase their influence. You know, the best way to get people in your organization to do what you want them to do is to influence them. So it's happening down in Center City. It's Thursday, October 9th from 630 to 930. It's about learning, but it's also about fun. So the leaders will be able to get chair massages. I'll have food there. We'll have guest experts, networking. Um, it's really great event, and um, I'm looking forward to folks coming out. They can go to leadersnightout.com for the information.
0: Where are you holding the event at, Brandy?
1: It's going to be on 1315 Walnut Street, our office in downtown.
0: Oh, excellent. Okay, I know exactly where that is. Uh, Yeah, I know exactly where you're at. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to attend. Oh, excellent. I definitely want to come down. I definitely want to come down to attend this, because I I find the, again, like you, I find the dynamics of people in different settings and, you know, how it all comes together. Because having a military background, um, mm-hmm. you know, the military, it, 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 you get people from the military, you get people that are usually very organized. Yes. Uh, they can handle orders very well. Uh, they have a way about them that makes organizations just kind of click. Yes. And uh, other people go, well, it's a, it's a military thing. It's kind of a brainwashing. Not really, because if you don't have that kind of, situation in the mil you know, the way the military is, uh, you know, things can go to hell pretty quick. Yep. And, you yep. know, you have to understand there's a way to question orders when you're in the service compared to how you would do them out here in, in the in the real world, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I think I think one thing that the military has done right in terms of just, you know, organizational dynamics is they have a structure in place. They've identified the behaviors that are needed from everyone in this organization for us to do our best and be our best. So we need everyone to get on board, and if you're not that way, we'll train you to be that way, and if you're already that way, welcome to the family. But I think the military has done an excellent job of sort of being proactive, and they've anticipated the needs of the different departments, so they, they recruit people that fit those needs, and they make sure that everyone knows those best practices and best behaviors. I mean, most organizations should sort of take a page out of their book. Whatever your organization does, that's how you really hire, and that's how you get people um, on board, uh, you know, in terms of behaving and acting and accepting a way of life um, and a culture that helps the organization thrive.
0: Well, this leads uh, perfectly to what I was going to ask you about next. Yeah. Uh, federal law has a lot to do with what you just described. Yeah. Military is forced more or less to play by those rules or they get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Now, I'm still surprised after all of these years uh, within the work workplace um, there's still sexual harassment. Mm. There's still, what I would say, a toxic like work environment at times. There's bullying, yep. a pack mentality, yep. uh, things that you would have thought by now would have been kind of out the door just based on laws and potential lawsuits themselves. Yeah. And they still seem to hang around, which leads me to believe this is who people are. Yeah. This is – you're getting a cross-section of people. Yeah. You know, how does one handle, if you're a boss – you're a leader within the organization because they're not always the same they can be very two separate people how do you handle coming across that situation because i assume you see a lot of that
1: yeah absolutely and i think that fear is the number one reason why bosses leaders even if they're at the very top they will still not call people out that are behaving badly, you know, and and the things that you're mentioning, sexual harassment, bullying, those are all interpersonal dynamics. It's, It's just dysfunctional, but a lot of times, you know, leaders, they're not bold. They're not bold. They don't want to ruffle many feathers. They don't want to go through the grievance process. So they make the employees suffer at the hands of maybe a bully that everyone knows is a bully, um, or maybe there is some sexual harassment or something else going on, but no one wants to get involved. So I agree with you, it is sort of a cross section of how people are because nine times out of ten, the way that leaders are handling conflict and issues in their organization is the exact same way that they're handling it in their personal lives, and that shouldn't be the case. Uh, when you put you know, when you walk through the door at work, you need to put a different hat on, but uh, most folks
0: don't do that. You know, that's interesting, again, because just because you have a master's or a doctorate degree yeah. or, you know, you're at the top of your profession, that doesn't mean you know how to handle people. No. Nope. That doesn't mean you're going to get the most yeah. out of, uh, you know, what's available to you. Uh, you know, NFL coaches, a lot of them spend a fair amount of time learning about personalities and motivation because they have 55 dramatically different personalities with dramatically different backgrounds yep. that they have to mold into a unit. Yep. And that's not easy. Not at all. Not, I mean, not even close to that. Now, with uh, some of the other things that you have seen, um, uh, racism within the workforce. Now, you and I talked about this the other week when we were uh, kind of doing a pre-interview and we're going yeah. to keep this real, very real, yeah. in the sense that this still goes on.
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and a lot of times nowadays, it's covert. Yes. You know, it's covert. You you can't quite, you're thinking, hmm, did they just say that to me? And you think, oh, no, maybe it's me, you know, or you may run something by a, a co worker and they're like, no, no, it's you. No, that's just how they are. That's just how this area is. You know how it is out here. Or, um, But it, it's everywhere and it's in a lot of organizations. And unfortunately, it goes back to just diversity. You know, people are bringing in their values and their issues. In to the workplace so it comes out sometimes in conflict i mean i've had situations um, even as an academic where things get really political and um people you know how they feel about you you know me as a young african american woman sort of being ambitious and having credentials, you know, people sort of snub their nose a little bit because they don't feel that you're worthy of being on their level. Um, And it's not, you know, I see it more with older generation, you know, sort of baby boomer generation, but every once in a while you'll get it too from, um, you know, younger folks um, in organizations as well. So it's difficult being a quote-unquote minority or maybe someone of color or of a different background in organizations that... Uh, where people are bringing some of those negative ideas there.
0: You know, my problem has always been, and my wife has debated this with me a lot, yeah. and I just cannot play the political game.
2: Yeah.
0: I can't yep. do it. I, I can't. There's there's not enough time in the day to do it. I'm already up against what I consider to be a, a war unto itself trying to do the sales and marketing. It's a 90 plus percent rejection rate. Yeah. And I don't want to have to deal with, on top of that, someone's political uh, BS. It, it it to me it's it's a smoke screen yes. somehow to their own personal issues. Yes. And yes. I really don't feel like counseling someone on their racism, their sexism, yes. their st- stupiditism, whatever it may yes. be. And yes. uh you know, I thought by now, with laws in place, time going by progression being made that these issues would be far less I mean they're always going to exist but I thought they would be far less than what's out there right now I I mean it has to be disheartening uh, for a minority of any type Um, for a woman coming into the workforce as well you have it hard enough as it is and now you're fighting this uphill battle it's got to be annoying
1: it is, and the thing is, with any of sort of the isms, the racism, sexism, any of those, it's unfortunate that the people who are are at the helm, you know, the bullies, the people who are the most political, they run stuff, they run everything, and everyone else sort of falls in line because they don't want to, um, you know, feel the wrath of the person that's maybe intimidating everyone or has that hidden agenda. So when something does go down, you can't even find an ally to be on your side because no one's going to step up. No one wants to fight. The good fight. Um, so they'd rather, you know, be a, a bystander and let things continue to go by in, in the workplace. And I've had situations, you know, in higher ed, it's very political, especially when you get to like sort of the doctoral level.
0: Amazing.
1: Oh my gosh. And I, I've had a situation where I had to do sort of a grievance. Um, and all the way up to, you know, the dean, the graduate <sighs> school, all these people, they shut me down. And I had one person. Um, who told me, one of the um, professors, and he told me point blank, we all know that this person has this issue. We believe you. But I'm telling you right now, no one is going to say anything because it's political. Okay. So, and, you uh, know, uh,
0: so Brand- what
1: about your business? Uh, I
0: said, oh, no. Uh, no. Brandy, we're going to take a break here, come back and uh, wrap it up with the last segment. You are listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Brandy Baldwin-Renna. We are talking the dynamics of the workplace Back in a few moments. Safe hunting PA in a minute, brought to you by Ram. Being a great hunter requires a lot of skill and a commitment to safety. Hunting for a great truck, however, only requires tracking down your nearest Ram dealer. That's because Ram 1500 is the only truck with an available class-exclusive eco-diesel engine that gets up to 28 miles per gallon highway and can haul 9,200 pounds. See your local Ram dealer today. Guts. Glory. Ram. Based on standard pickup and automotive news classifications. EPA estimated 20 at MPG Highway based on Equidiesel B6 4x2. Max towing capacity when properly equipped. Ram is a registered trademark of Chrysler Group LLC. The fall means archery hunting season, and the Pennsylvania Game Commission urges hunters to consider these safety tips. Inspect your bow and arrows for damage prior to use. Carry broadhead tipped arrows in a protective quiver and never walk with a knocked arrow or bolt. Keep crossbows pointed in a safe direction and keep your thumb and fingers away from the string. Properly identify your target. Always Make sure someone knows where you're hunting and when you expect to return. For more information, log on to penswilds.com. When you're exploring the great outdoors, you don't want anything holding you back. That's why Honda built the all-new Pioneer 500 SXS. It has two-person capability and a more compact package. It's 50 inches wide, so you can access trails most sxxs can't. Plus, it fits in the bed of a full-size truck. It has paddle shifters, four-wheel drive, and a wide selection of Honda accessories, all in an affordable price. So have fun out there on the all-new 2015 Pioneer 500. For your safety, read the owner's manual, wear helmet and eye protection. Always wear your seatbelt. Keep side nets and doors closed. Pioneers are for drivers 16 years and older. Go Hunt PA to enjoy the outdoors, to be with family and friends, or to put food on the table. Whatever the reason, the Pennsylvania Game Commission invites you to Go Hunt PA. Log on to GoHuntPA.org to find information on wildlife, hunting, licensing, and much more. While you're there, subscribe to their email service to get all the latest news. Like reminding hunters that waterfowl and dove seasons are open in September. Consult the Migratory Game Bird Brochure at GoHuntPA.org for details. Go Hunt PA. Visit GoHuntPA.org.
1: Hi, this is Christy Amaguchi, and you're listening to WCHE 1520
0: Radio. Welcome back to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Brandy Baldwin-Renna. We are talking the dynamics of the workplace. Brandy, again, please give us the two different websites that uh, are associated with you and tell us a little bit more about uh, Leaders Night Out.
1: Absolutely. So phdtrainers.com, um, psychology and human development trainers, that's where we can go in and help organizations. If you want to work directly with me, you can go to takeitorleadit.com, and there's information about Leaders Night out there. Coming up on Thursday, October 9th from 630 to 930, down on 13th and Walnut in Philadelphia is Leaders Night out. It's going to be a night of fun. The um, topic is Making the leader Shift unleashing your interchange agent. So we're going to have chair massages, experts. I'll be there doing a power strategy session, and there will be great networking for uh, leaders in the region.
0: Men or women? Who's the worst gossiper in the workforce?
1: Definitely women. Okay. Definitely women. okay. I'm sorry to say that. I hate to say it, but we ah. will talk. Yeah, we take water cooler talk to a whole
0: other <laughs> level. <laughs> I, You know, it's it, it, it's interesting because... Uh, I've experienced this in the workforce uh with, with with women over the years. Some of them feel they can say anything that pops into their head ah,
2: any yeah, no I mean filter. there is no
0: filter yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nah, like you somehow, before you speak. yeah, it's like somehow it's become reverse sexism in a way uh you know, they can look at you and go, well, blah, blah blah, and then if and then you stand there shocked it's yeah. but it's not the same. If a man if, I mean let's face it, there is differences. Yeah. If a woman gives uh, maybe a more direct compliment to a male coworker, that male coworker's probably not going to be running to, uh, to HR, HR about it. Yep. If you're a male giving a compliment, and it could be the most innocent and honest compliment, but if it's misunderstood, you yeah. could find yourself sitting there in HR trying to explain the situation.
1: Absolutely, you, you got to make sure that you have a strong relationship with your coworkers before you say anything that could be taken uh, the wrong way. There's definitely a double standard. Definitely a double standard, and I'm not going to complain about that.
0: You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and you know something that's interesting. I have to agree with you to some extent, um, uh, and and this is where the gender uh, yeah. you know, differences do come in. Because as I said, you, a woman can say maybe even even an off-colored comment to yes. a male coworker and you know 99999% 9, 9, of the time it's going to mean nothing. Yes. And that's okay cuz I would probably look at the guy who came into my office and went, you know, so and so made a comment about my butt. And I'd be like, yes, yeah, so be glad she said anything. Yes. You know? <laughs> Go home yes. and tell your wife. I it's but if I had a woman come into my office yes. and tell me, you know, Bob in accounting uh, you know, made a comment as she walked by, I'd have to go down to Bob and say, Bob, what's going on, buddy? Yep. And I mean, you're putting the whole company in jeopardy here.
1: Absolutely. So and there guys, is,
0: yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. There's definitely a double standard, and it's just, you know, based on things that have happened in the past. We know the major stories from the 90s and the 2000s, you know, so male female dynamics can get a little bit tricky.
0: Now, oh, yes, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. You know, now things have changed. Now, it's, it's interesting. We're so politically correct that I think we've gone overboard at times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to be care. We've really got to be careful what you say and how you say it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I would assume you have to counsel specific people from time to time on what they said was inappropriate. Cause they probably don't understand what they said was.
1: Absolutely, and a lot of times you know we get sort of caught up in well, that's not what I meant, you know my intention wasn't you know to to offend them in any way, but when I um, advise the leaders that I work with, I let them know that communication is not about your intention, it's about how people perceive what you're saying, so we don't care what you meant, they took it a certain way, so let's figure out how to fix it because a lot of times they can't get to a place of reconciliation because they're so busy talking about what their intention was, but a lot of people, they, they don't understand, you know, the power of words, and it's not only what they say, it's really how you say it, because you and I can, can throw jokes back and forth, yes. because we know each other like that, but if you really don't know me like that, I'm going to take it a certain way, um, so you're spot on in terms of people and their communication
0: skills. Yeah, you've got, hey, look, even though I communicate for a living, yes. doing the radio show, doing sales and marketing, hey, there's been times... Something's come out of my mouth, and I'm went, like, "Oh my God, where the hell did that come from?" <laughs> and you have to stop, and you have to acknowledge what you have just said is was wrong or inappropriate, yep. Yep. and uh, you know, hopefully, it, it's all you know, it goes right, you know, it's fine from there. But it does happen. Yeah. Now, curious about something. Now we, we're capable of uh, telecommunic telecommuting uh, now. Working out of your home, which is what I do three, four days a week. And I've been doing it for the last 16, 17 years. I love it. I think I get far more done, especially while I'm doing my laundry. (laughs) I'm a very happy person. I'm like, you know, I'm multitasking. So I feel really good about myself. But (laughs) with this extra, with this this option of work, uh, where to work, is it, Are there certain personalities that should never do it, and is it causing any problems in the work world as far as jealousy or other issues?
1: Yeah, I definitely think, you know, people who are the best candidates for sort of having a flex work schedule, they have to, of course, be reliable and dependable, but but also their lifestyle, you know. I have a four-month-old. I also have a five-year-old. So there was a time uh, with my daughter, my five-year-old, that I wanted to sort of have a flex schedule. And before I branched out to start my own company, my boss at the time said no. So I left the organization altogether, together, and I like to think that I was, you know, a very big good asset, but because of sort of flexibility, I had to move on, so I think that working from home or having a flex schedule, telecommuting, it, it's excellent, but you got to make sure that these people are um, dependable, and some things, um, roles and organizations, you need the synergy, you need face time with people, you need to see them. Oh, without so, a doubt. Yeah, yeah, so um, it depends on the role, you know, it depends on the role and the people who you're allowing to do that.
0: Now, I'm going to hit you up with this as we kind of roll into the last couple of minutes. I've been saving this. Now, I think the most important person, persons, to an organization is the sales and marketing team, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, it is because you're the one that's setting the t- table for everyone. You're the yeah. one out there going after uh, the business, not easy to do. I assume that you counsel and, and you've spoken with many different people involved uh, in sales and marketing, yeah. What I've learned about the sales and marketing personality—obviously, very Type A, very driven. Yeah. Um, but also very sensitive, in a lot yep. of ways. Uh, you know, it's it, it's really kind of weird. Not sensitive in this in the sense that, at least not with me. Uh, I expect. I know I'm going to fail far more often than I'm going to succeed, because that's just the way the numbers go. Yes. But I don't want to come back to my home base, sort of, so to speak, and not be understood and be looked down upon because they don't understand the process yes. of what goes on. There's nothing worse than being rejected all day long, going back to your office, and people looking at you like, well, did you accomplish anything? <laughs> right. Did, did you get any sales? Yeah. And, and the thing is, and I've said this to my wife repeatedly over the years, I can work 60 hours in a week. But if I don't have some sale, some con- something what we consider tangible out of that time, it yes. looks like I failed to everyone.
1: Right, absolutely. I mean, certain... Certain people who are not in sales or marketing, they're never going to really understand this. But, you know, it really takes time when people do the things that you do to build relationships with folks. And that's what marketing is building a relationship. And sometimes people don't want what you have to offer. I mean, you do have to be sensitive and intuitive to that. It takes a lot out of you to do sales and marketing all day, all week. Um, And rejection, you know, it takes a special type of person to be in that role because. You take rejection and you see it a lot differently. You can handle things that the average uh, Joe at work can't handle. So um, you're you're right about that for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not out there selling uh, you know hawking uh, newspapers on the street corner. Yeah, I'm working in major deals, and people don't seem to understand. It's not like when you go into an office and you got a meeting with someone; they've been waiting for you. All these years, John Averly's here. The Messiah has arrived. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't work that way. It's, you're trying to steal business
2: yes,
0: from absolutely. someone. Absolutely. Major deals
1: take time. It, it takes does. Time. And just because you it. can
0: show a company you'll save them 10 to 15% or whatever, doesn't mean they're going to jump at it. Because yes. that conversion to get to you might not be worth it to them. Yes. And, and how they're structured. You might have all the answers, but they look at you and go, hey, you know, we agree yeah. with you, but it's not for us.
1: Yes, and it just or goes not right now.
0: People, you got it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. That's the worst.
1: They're always going to wait to pull the trigger. They're always going to comparison shop, uh, and they'll see. They'll call you, and they will still say no, and they called you, you know. But, it happens. Um, yeah, it that's happens. people think.
0: Brandy, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I knew I would enjoy this with you. Thank you, John. And uh, listen, anything you need in the future, you give me a call. We can do this again or go specifics. No big deal. Let's you have it. a good weekend, and I will definitely see you at your uh, Leaders' Night Out event in Philly. Thank you.
1: Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, Brandy. You've been listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John will we'll, We will be back next week. Thanks.